You are listening to the Live Diet Free Podcast. I'm your host, Esther Avant, personal trainer, sports nutritionist, and weight loss coach. I'm here to help you lose weight for the last time without sacrificing your quality of life to do it. So pop your headphones in, go for a walk, and learn how to become the healthiest, happiest, and most confident version of yourself. Hello, and welcome back to the Live Diet Free Podcast. I've been sitting on this episode for a while. I don't know why. I just haven't recorded it, but I think it's a useful topic that a lot of you will likely have encountered. And that is what to do when it feels like people don't support you. And maybe they actually don't support you, or maybe that's just your interpretation of it and you're actually mistaken. But either way, I want to talk about that today because I see it as something that deters a lot of women from prioritizing themselves and their goals. And I think that needs to stop. So the first piece of it, I think, is figuring out why do I think that people aren't supporting me? And mostly what I'm envisioning when I say that is your immediate family, the people that you live with, maybe your closest friends, maybe your parents, maybe coworkers, but generally the people that you're interacting with on a very regular basis, if not daily, then close to it. The people who are just intimately aware of what you're doing differently and why. So the first thing to stop and ask yourself is why do I think blank person or X people aren't supportive of my goals. Getting really clear about the facts versus your interpretation. This is very similar to when you start to question your own thoughts of what am I telling myself here? You know, why am I overreacting? What's actually going on? Is this true? What evidence do I have? Etc. Except you're doing that with something external. So Have any of these people said in so many words, I do not support you trying to lose weight. I do not support you trying to be a healthier person. I do not support you wanting to have more confidence. Have they said that outright in so many words? Maybe so. I I genuinely hope not. But I guess that's possible if you are in relationships that are not... I don't know, built on love and support, then that's a possibility. And for that, I'm very sorry. And I hope that you can do some thinking about how you want to move forward with that information. If the people that you're around so constantly are actively dissuading you from doing things that are making you happy and making you healthy, how do you want to proceed from there? I'm not a marriage counselor. I am I don't really want to go too far down that road, but do know that you don't have to continue to put up with that and you deserve to be around people who love and support you. More often than not though, it's going to be what you perceive as a lack of support as opposed to someone actually saying I don't want you to do this, or I don't think you can, or I'm not going to help you, or that sort of thing. Generally, it's your own self-doubt or insecurity 
kind of clouding your interactions and making you feel like you're not supported or nobody believes in you when in reality, maybe you're not supporting yourself. Maybe you're not believing in yourself. And this is kind of a projection of that. So ask yourself, what specific scenarios have happened that I'm using as evidence of this lack of support? Are there other ways to interpret those situations in ways that would give me a different understanding? That's something that kind of, I had a realization about that in in working with a client who originally had said that she felt like her husband, husband wasn't supportive of her working with us. And what she took that to mean was he doesn't want me to pursue losing weight, even though it's important to me. She ended up working with us. I don't remember the exact specifics of, you know, how that came to be. If she decided to just go for it and kind of, you know, ask for forgiveness or, or what if they talked about it. But what ended up coming out was that he was absolutely unconditionally supportive of her wanting to pursue whatever goals. He had also been around long enough to see multiple other attempts at losing this weight that made her miserable, didn't actually help her accomplish the goal, and then also negatively impacted him and the the kids. So that was a really interesting reframe for both of us, both both the client and myself, when she sort of passed that along to me, is that at the surface, she was just thinking, okay, he's saying you shouldn't do it. So she took that and ran with it to mean he doesn't want me to lose weight. He doesn't want me to be happy. What he actually was meaning was I love you, period, and I do want you to be happy. And I've seen firsthand that the way you've approached this before hasn't made you happy. And I want to try to protect you from that because I love you and because I don't care if you're whatever X number of pounds overweight. I love you at whatever size and your happiness is more important to me than your clothing size. So it's just such an interesting change of perspective that has, that gave me a, a good reminder that things are not necessarily what they appear at the surface. So I think kind of takeaway lesson number one is to not make assumptions and to actually communicate. We're talking about the people that you spend the most time with, who know you the best, and vice versa. Even if you're not used to talking about this sort of thing with them, that's part of the work. Do the hard thing and have this conversation. And say outright, I want to talk to you about something that's a little bit hard for me, but it's important to me. I'm feeling like you don't support my weight loss goals. And I don't really understand why that would be, but here's what's made me feel that way. Am I off base here? Where, where are you coming from? And hopefully you are met with people who are willing to have that conversation back to you and explain where they're coming from. And my guess is more often than not, it's going to be similar to this client and her husband where it's not a lack of support. It's concern. It's maybe concern for, for you that I don't want to see you do something that's going to make you unhappy again or make you feel unsuccessful or I don't want to see you crying in the bathroom every Saturday again. Or maybe it's concern for how I'm going to be impacted or how our relationship is going to be impacted. If you follow through and lose this weight and do this thing that you've been talking about for so long and I don't change with you, where does that leave us? 
what if I'm overweight and unhappy, but I'm not yet ready or willing or able to make changes too. So I stay where I am and you grow. Are you going to outgrow me? If our relationship has been built on things like being foodies, going out to eat, loving to go to breweries or making cocktails or having, you know, weekend long binge, you know, TV binging sessions. And now I'm getting like these glimpses in the future of you wanting to wake up at 6 a.m. and hop out of bed and go for a jog and to dump all the alcohol down the drain and never want to go out to eat again. And if we do, you eat out of Tupperware and I eat the normal stuff. So it could be fear of what is our future going to look like if, if you make these changes? And it's not that I don't want you to, but I need a little bit of reassurance that I'm not going to get left behind or left in the dust. Maybe it's, this is very kind of classic when one person decides to make a change and another person doesn't. Maybe your actions, say you've already started and you're, you're a little bit down the road, your, the changes in your behavior can highlight the lack thereof in other people. And, you know, maybe your best friend was or is thinking about losing weight and does want to take action. But now, you know, for whatever reason, she's having a hard time getting started. And whenever she sees you bringing your lunch to work or turning down a second drink at happy hour, maybe she's feeling judged, even though you're not judging her. It's sort of that mirror onto, oh, well, we used to be in this together. And if everybody's doing it, it doesn't stand out in any way. And now you're doing this thing that you're not pushing on me in any way, except that I'm here to witness it. And it just inherently makes me feel bad, like I should be doing it too. So it very well may be that any comments you get or any perceived negativity is really coming from that place. And I would say the majority of the time, people's unsupportive behavior is way more about them than it is about you. Probably damn near all the time. And I think that's that information is important to have going into the conversation because it can help you understand where they're coming from and it can help you assure them some of the stuff may not have even been on your radar. Like you truly don't care if your best friend still wants to go out and get hammered and you're like, that's cool. I'll switch to water. I'll be the DD. Like I love just being around you and you're so fun. And it may not even have crossed your mind. And here you guys were just like on two totally different wavelengths. And all it was going to take was this conversation to clear the air and be like, oh, okay, that's not an issue either way. Let's just move forward. Same thing with a spouse or partner. And if I say husband in here, it's because I'm married to a man and it's just what comes most, you know, rolls right off my tongue. But I am not in any way suggesting that same-sex relationships do not have the, this sort of dynamic. Um, it may be a matter of putting your partner in a position where he or she feels comfortable saying, yeah, I am scared. I'm scared that, you know, you're going to lose all this weight and you're going to have all this confidence and you want to go, going to go out and you're going to be able to do better than me. Going into the conversation with an open mind and just acknowledging that this is part of the work that most people don't do. And it's part of why the whole process can be so clunky and so unpleasant. And when you do decide, I'm willing to have these conversations, I'm willing to like do the awkward thing and be like, hey, can we talk about this? You're going to be so much better off because odds are you're going to find that the people who you have thought don't support you actually do. And once that's out in the open, then it's a lot easier to keep those lines of communication open and to 
do sort of temperature checks of, you know, how are you feeling? Or is there anything I can do? Is there anything that, you know, whatever, what does that looks like? So went a little bit far down that road. The episode here is about what to do if people don't support you. Um, so here we are, however many minutes in, and here I am suggesting that most people actually do. But I do also want to talk about if people don't, because I do think that's a possibility, or maybe you do have these conversations and you understand that deep down, your loved ones do support you. And also they've got their own stuff that is often going to manifest as a seeming lack of support. So your husband might say, yeah, of course, I want you to be happy. And, you know, if you want to lose weight, go for it. That's fine. But he may continue to bring home your favorite wine or your favorite candy. He may continue to want to do your normal date nights where you go to restaurants or you brewery hop or whatever. And that can feel unsupportive because it's behavior that you might be trying to change. But it you know, it doesn't mean that he's truly unsupportive, but as far as like your day-to-day life goes, it seems unsupportive because it's not supportive. So in that case, something so important to remember is that you can be successful with or without the support of the people around you. I think it can become kind of a scapegoat much like I've ranted about age and hormones and kind of all these things that we're almost just like looking for an excuse to not show up for ourselves to not actually do the work to make these changes. The same thing goes for your, your family and friends. It can become a very easy, well, I can't because my husband won't eat that way and I don't want to make two meals. Or I can't because I'll lose all my friends if I don't want to drink anymore. Or I can't because, 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 and it's always this you know, kind of projection onto another person. I can't because my boss doesn't, um, doesn't have kids, so he doesn't understand that I need to log out and I end up working all hours of the day and night. I don't have time to get workouts in. I have meetings through lunch, so I can't get meals in. And it's not my fault. It's just the culture at my job. It's very easy to let that lack of support, let those circumstances become the reason that you don't take action. But we can't keep doing that. This is an opportunity to take compassionate ownership and say, yep, these are tough circumstances. It would be much easier if everybody in my life was aligned with like, let's do everything we can to make this as easy as possible for her. But that's not likely. So take ownership of the agency that you do have over your own life and over your own decisions and decide that I can do this with or without the support. I can do it whether or not it's easy. I'm not a victim and I don't need other people in order to be successful. I like the idea of reframing the situation as an opportunity to rise to the occasion, to see it as a challenge, an opportunity to level up, and to recognize that doing so, that continuing to make your goals and yourself a priority, despite that lack of support, is only going to make you stronger and more resilient in the future. It means that The next person who's unsupportive or who makes some sort of backhanded comment that gets under your skin, you're less frazzled by it because you already have experience with that sort of thing and you're not going to let it derail you. You're going to be like, okay, cool. Bring it on. That's fine. I don't need any of you. If you're enjoying this episode, I want to invite you to join us in our coaching program, Gone for Good. Gone for Good is our signature 12-week coaching program designed to help you develop the confidence, commitment, and consistency necessary to make reaching your weight loss and health goals inevitable. 
our three-part framework helps you learn and master the exercise nutrition big rocks, provides comprehensive support and accountability, and teaches you how to take compassionate ownership of your results. With both group and one-on-one options, we have a gone-for-good package to suit your needs and help you overcome every obstacle between you and the weight loss you're after. Whether you want to lose 5 pounds, 50 pounds, or 150 pounds, we can help you in Gone For Good. For all the info and to join, go to estheravant.com slash coaching. So keep that in mind. Is it nice to have the support of your friends and family? Absolutely. Can it make your life much easier? For sure. If your husband does the cooking and he's totally on board with like, yep, just tell me your macros, I'll measure everything, or I'm happy to make some changes too, I'll just eat what you're eating, let's do it, let's all make some some positive changes. If your coworkers love the idea of doing a walking meeting and eating you know, brown bag lunches instead of going out, amazing. But even if they're not, it does not mean that you can't. So the next thing you want to do is start setting boundaries with your time, with your energy to reduce the exposure to unsupportive people where that's possible. Obviously, it's not not possible 100% of the time, but also topics of conversation. In episode 143, I reviewed a book called The Book of Boundaries by Melissa Urban, and it's all about doing this. So... If this strikes a nerve with you and you know like this is going to be a part of my rising above and being successful regardless of lack of support, then go back and listen to that episode because we dive into the specifics of setting work boundaries, setting boundaries around food or alcohol, having conversations with your partner, all of that stuff. But this is something a lot of us just are not very well practiced at doing. I don't want to say not good at doing because it's largely that you don't know if you're good at it because you haven't done it much. And when you haven't done stuff much, yeah. You got to practice a little bit. And I think there's a lot that kind of ties in with how a lot of women are sort of conditioned to be the people pleasers and to do things to appease other people and to not rock the boat and to just kind of go with the flow, which we come to find out often lands us on the back burner if we're even on the stove at all. And learning to set boundaries, especially in adulthood, can be difficult. And again, I know I say this all the time, but that's the work. You wouldn't think my goal is to lose weight. My objective right now is to set boundaries. But everything is so interwoven that a lot of times your lack of boundaries is making it more difficult to lose weight. And once the boundaries are in place, the path forward is a lot more straightforward. So maybe you've identified there are certain people in my life who just don't get it and aren't going to get it. And I don't want to cut them out completely, but I do need to be more intentional about the time that I'm spending with them. So maybe you set boundaries with your your mom about when, you know, when she comes over or if you're in the habit of going there for weekly dinners but she's unwilling to make anything that you're wanting to eat and she's just not going to change that, then maybe you say you're welcome to come over here for dinner, but um if you're if you're not open to making some modifications to the meal that you're preparing, then I won't be attending. Maybe it's something like that. Maybe it's having certain friends who you know are just kind of always going to be the party friends or the eating friends. And you still want to hang with them sometimes, but you just sort of reduce it to less frequently. Maybe it's for 
mostly special occasions or instead of it being a weekly or multiple times a week thing, which I know sounds like a luxury if you're, if you're a working mom, you're like, yeah, seeing friends multiple times a week. Okay. Yeah. I can relate to that. Um, but you know, you, you get to, you have more agency over those things than you think. And if you're finding that certain people are being time sucks or energy sucks, or just sort of leaving you feeling drained or leaving you feeling less committed or less confident that you're going to be successful, you get to decide what their what your relationship to them looks like in the future as the as the healthiest version of yourself. And then also, and I think this is one of the most important ones, is the the topics of conversation, setting boundaries around those that you don't have to see eye to eye with your family or your coworkers, but you can say, I don't want to talk about diets or bodies at our group lunches anymore. I hope you can respect that. Other people are probably going to be relieved. But if that topic continues, you can then, this is using kind of the framework from the book, you can escalate from like a green boundary to a yellow or an orange boundary of, okay, using some caution here. I've said this before, they're not necessarily listening to, oh, we're talking about, you know, our bodies again, or we're talking about our diets again. This really makes me uncomfortable. I'd like to stop. And then your red boundary where you give the consequence, and this is the tough part of you set the boundary, but then you need to uphold it. So then you say, I've really tried to tried to make it so we don't talk about this at lunch. It's making me uncomfortable. I'm not going to eat with the group right now or whatever, you know, that boundary looks like that's not a, a perfect example. But boundaries around conversations, I think, can be really helpful because it may not be that there's anything else that you guys are really at odds about. It might be that they're totally fine with you eating differently or exercising more or whatever your changes have been, but you just feel triggered by them talking about their diets. Or maybe you know that you're losing weight at a slow, steady rate that's sustainable and you're being healthy and you are building the skills to keep it off. But it's very triggering to hear that everybody else is doing some MLM or are on medications and are losing much faster. And you're like, listen, I, that's not the route I want to take. I respect that you guys do, and that's fine, but it's hard for me to have this conversation without feeling like my progress isn't good enough and therefore that I'm not good enough, so I really want to nip this in the bud. So just keep in mind that you have the power to have all of those conversations, to set all of those boundaries, and then to uphold those boundaries, even if it feels hard. Another useful thing and this goes with any sort of adversity that you're facing, is to look for the silver linings, the lessons, and of course, the solutions. So when you're in the moment, it can be hard to see the the good. When you're in the throes of a life lesson, the last thing you want is somebody being like, well, what's the lesson here? You're like, nothing, there's no lesson. I want to swear, I want to cry, I want to eat my feelings. I don't want there to be a lesson. But once you get some distance from it, you can look back and see that maybe it was teaching you something. What's coming to mind right away is that seeing how other people are treating you is a very good reminder of how you want to treat other people. So maybe the lesson is, have I been the most supportive friend, spouse, coworker to the people around me? Have they tried to uphold boundaries that I've you know, unintentionally stepped over? Have I been judgmental almost like preemptively because I didn't want to be judged first? Are there ways that 
your experiences could teach you something about how you want to change your behavior going forward. That could be a lesson. The lesson could be, I need to be better at setting boundaries. There's all sorts of, sorts of ways that you could go with this, but learning to reflect from that place of, imagine that there is a lesson here. What, what might it be? And then looking for the solutions. Instead of thinking about a lack of support as this like cement wall that goes up in front of you and you're just stuck there and all you can do is like be in video game mode and just like keep trying to walk into the wall and bounce off it and walk into the wall and bounce off it. Instead of treating it like that, look for the solutions. Look for the doors, the windows, the ladders, the footholds, the way around because they exist. And I've said time and time again, the time that you spend making excuses is time you're taking away from finding solutions. So what does the solution look like if your husband does most of the cooking and he doesn't want to change how he's been doing things? Do you want to start doing some of the cooking yourself, even if you don't know how? Do you want to order yourself a meal prep service so he can cook for himself, you can cook for yourself? Do you want to eat exactly what he's making and just modify your portions? And know that if you're eating your earlier meals by yourself or you have some snacks, we have some wiggle room, that you can you can make the family dinner work as is, not have to rock the boat with anybody, and still end the day where you want to be with your goals at the forefront. If it's your friends, do you want to maybe the, the group is, is big on drinking? Maybe you want to try some of the alcohol-free, you know, spirits or mocktails or any of that sort of world of drinks and you want to invite friends over and you can have the normal alcohol and you can also do a mocktail version and you can just introduce people to, to that. They can still drink. You're not trying to, you know, take everybody's booze. You're also giving yourself a way that you can participate. Maybe it's that you don't want to miss out on all of the work group socializing that happens at lunch, but you also don't want to be going out every single day like you have been. You're trying to save money. You're trying to lose weight. So maybe you decide on Fridays, I'm going to go out and I'll make more mindful, goals-oriented choices when I do go out. And earlier in the week, I'm going to bring my lunch. I'm going to take a walk. I'll see if, you know, maybe somebody wants to have a one-on-one lunch with me and just kind of hang back and and get some some solo time. So starting to think through the lens of what are the other options here? There are plenty of ways to, to skin a cat. If I'm only thinking about one, let me open my eyes to the other possibilities that are going to help me maintain my social life and my friend group and my relationships and also lose weight, reach my goals, be happier, be healthier, be more confident, all that stuff. The final piece, I think, is proactively building a support network that helps you. That's not to say you need to totally swap out that you're taking like, we just booked Mattis's birthday at Legoland and so Legos are at the top of my mind. I'm picturing like you've got your Lego board and you've got the little you know, Lego figurines in it. You don't need to swap out all of the guys in the board for brand new ones. You can, just like you take the approach of what can I add to my diet rather than what am I taking away, you can think about what can I add to my social system? What can I add to my support group rather than who am I trying to cut <laughs> And, you know, vote off the island. So your friends, your family, your coworkers, they stay intact. You set boundaries as necessary to, you know, make the interactions what you need them 
to be to prioritize your health and your you know mental and physical health. And also you start thinking, well, if it would be nice to have people who really get it and who I can talk to about all of these things without eye rolls or you know any of that drama, where would I find them? This is why I talk so much about the importance of comprehensive support and why community is an important aspect of our Gone for Good program, because it helps a ton to have like-minded people around you. There's so much research, I know I've talked about this before, about how impactful the people you spend your time with are. So since you can't start your life over with more supportive everybody, you can start making tweaks to who gets your time and your energy, who gets less of it. And like I said, nobody has to be like, you don't need to have a one person who is, is everything all the time. You already have your friends that you talk to about your spouse. You have your friends that you talk to about work. You have your coworkers that you talk to about, you know, whatever. There's always different people who play different roles. So all you're doing is expanding the number of roles in, in your world and saying, I would really like other like-minded women. I want women who are strength training. I want women who are taking walks. I want women who are hiking or trying new activities. I want women who are trying new recipes. Maybe other women whose husbands have done the cooking for the last 20 years and now they're learning how to cook too. I want other women who are, you know, finding themselves and redefining themselves in retirement. I want professional help, people who are going to give me the roadmap, who are going to help hold me accountable. You can add all of these people to your network to help you feel more supported without trying to force the existing people into those roles. So I guess the final thing I want to leave you with is just the reminder that all of this is constantly evolving. Like I said, so much of other people's reactions are about them, not about you. So it's very possible that when you are the the first person to really prioritize losing weight in a healthy and sustainable way that you feel like the outlier and that, like I was saying, you're, people are concerned about how the relationship is, <clears throat> is going to change things like that. Once you get underway, once you get, you know, say maybe a couple months in, you're feeling good. You haven't changed anything drastically. The fears that people might've had in anticipation have not come to fruition. And now they're a little bit more open to hearing about what you're doing a little bit more open about making some of the changes with you. You know, maybe your husband wanted to see in in practice that your new health kick doesn't mean he can't drink beer around you, or it doesn't mean that you guys can never go out and eat ice cream again. And once he sees, oh, she's still doing those things, maybe less than before, but she's still doing those things, then he's a little bit more open to, you know what, you, you seem like you have a ton of energy, your clothes are fitting really great, you're wanting to have sex more often, all that's really great. I wonder... Could this work for me too? Maybe I'll try that salad you've been making that I keep snubbing. Maybe your friends have had one ride too many on the weight loss roller coaster and are finally like, okay, tell me your secret because I lost 40 pounds in, you know, four months or three months or whatever. And now I've gained it all back. Whereas you have lost 40 pounds this year. And you're still going like, what is it? What's the secret? So people as, as you evolve and grow, so, so too are the people around you. And hopefully it's in the same direction. And then you can sort of extend that arm towards them and, and be the person that you wished you had had when you first started and say, yeah, I'm here to support you. Like, what can I, what can I teach you? How can I help you? That's entirely possible, but you won't know if you let the lack of support 
prevent you from getting started in the first place. Lastly, if, like I said, if you are missing this piece of the puzzle, the comprehensive support that you need, we offer this in our Gone for Good program along with so much more. So check out estheraven.com slash coaching to learn more about that and how we can help guide you in this journey. Hopefully this was helpful for you and gave you some food for thought. I appreciate you turning in, tuning in, but maybe you're going to bed, so turn in as well. And I'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Live Diet Free Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've listened to them all, I appreciate you being here. One way you can help this podcast succeed is to subscribe, rate, and review it. If you don't mind doing those things, I would love to thank you with a copy of our Weekend Survival Guide designed to help you have weekends you enjoy that don't set you back from reaching your goals. Just send a screenshot of your review to admin at estheravant.com and we'll send it over. And don't forget to check out estheravant.com slash coaching for all the info about our Gone for Good coaching program designed to help you develop the confidence, commitment, and consistency necessary to make reaching your health and weight loss goals inevitable. Our three-part framework helps you learn and master the exercise and nutrition big rocks, provides comprehensive support and accountability, and teaches you how to take compassionate ownership of your results. With both group and one-on-one options, we have a Gone for Good package to suit your needs and help you overcome every, every obstacle between you and the weight loss you're after.